They're calling it the worst 10-2 team of all time. Who are the 2022 Minnesota Vikings, and what's their identity? We're discussing that and plenty more. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. This is your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Tuesday, Reg, missed you yesterday, but I trust yourself. Our guy Sam Ekstrom kind of held down the fort while I was gone. Oh, man, we had some juicy talk, man. You missed out. You missed out. Took you care totally of totally missed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is our first chance to kind of celebrate Victory Monday on a Tuesday together. Can't wait to break it all down with you. So much to get into, but first, remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Locked On M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson show. You got the football party and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go, Reg. The experts. See that? Air quotes. The experts are calling the Vikings team the worst 10-2 and two team of all time. Quick to point out the fact that of all the 10-2 and two teams in the history of the NFL, the Vikings team has the worst point differential of all of them. And makes sense, I suppose, right? No crazy blowouts, nine one-score wins. Never have put up more than 33 points in a game to date. And their two losses, Philly and Dallas, yeah, they got steamrolled. So, okay, I guess that all makes sense, but... Bottom line, Reds are still winning games. So what are we then? Is this just all a mirage? Will the luck inevitably run out? Like, what's this team's identity and who are they? Try your best to explain this 2022 Vikings team just the best you can. So all those people and pundits and experts that are saying that this is the worst 10-2 team of all time, mm -hmm. it's almost an oxymoron. They're 10-2. Jumbo they got shrimp. 10 wins. What are yeah, we about? like there's 10 wins. So, yeah, the point differential is maybe not the greatest, but at the end of these games, they are finding a way to raise their hands in victory. And that's really all that matters. I know there's, you know, there, this is not the college football where, you know, there's style points. And because of the lack of style points, now all of a sudden you can see them drop from, the top four getting into the playoff into, you know, going to the, I don't know, Pillsbury Dough Bowl or whatever it is. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not that. So, like, all the people saying that this team is not for real or whatever that, like, 10 wins, man. It's hard to argue with 10 wins. And honestly, from the ways that they've won these games, 
you can't necessarily call it luck per se because mm-hmm. you would think that luck would run out at some point. But 9 and 0 in these one score games, 9 and 0 in one score games. The identity of this team is winning by all means, by any means necessary. This team is winning in spite of, you know, losing big leads like they did this past week, in spite of giving up 300-plus yards to the the opposing offense. Somehow, someway, this team just finds a way to scratch, claw their way to victory, and that's what the identity of this team is. Like, they're not a team that's just going to run it up on you. They're not a team that's just going to be stingy on defense. They're just a team that gets it done when the clock strikes zero, they have W's on the board. That's who they are. My, yeah, my favorite part of what you just said, this is not college football. You don't have to put up 60 points so you get a little bit higher in the rankings the next week. So well said. I agree with a lot of that. Bottom line, you are what your record says you are. I'm about to go on a little three, four-minute rant here, Reg. So grab some <laughs> coffee make yourself comfy. I missed yesterday. I got a little bit to vent about. You are what your record says you are. This team through 13 weeks is 10-2. and two. Everyone wants to talk about that point differential being the worst point differential NFL history. And I get that. Everyone wants to talk about these razor-thin wins and the what-ifs. What if Josh Allen didn't fumble that ball in the end zone? Vikings lose at Buffalo. Okay, what if Taylor Heineke doesn't throw a late pick? They lose in Washington. This week versus the Jets. Maybe, just maybe, what if Mike White hits that wide-open Garrett Wilson up the sideline and his outstretched fingertips? Maybe they lose to the Jets. He probably bolts into the end zone untouched after that. Well, you know what? All summer, all I heard people talk about was in 2021, what went wrong? All I heard was, well, if Dalvin doesn't fumble in OT and Cincy week one, that's a win. If Zimmer doesn't choose to run out the clock instead of getting two, three more plays off in the last minute versus the Cardinals game week two, maybe that 38-yard field goal is a 31-yard field goal, and Greg Joseph makes that kick. More what-ifs if the Vikings don't lose to a backup quarterback on primetime at home on Halloween. That's another win. If they don't give up that fourth and long to Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown because Dancer is playing a little too deep coverage in the end zone, they don't lose on that last play of the game. It's just more what-ifs. All I heard from every fan last offseason was the what-ifs about this team as to why they were actually better than they were. And now that they're winning all these close games this time around, all I'm hearing is why they're not as good as the record says. You got to point to the facts here, Reg. For eight years, Mike Zimmer installed a blueprint to this team that was built to play in close games. Old school, run the ball, play elite defense, don't turn the ball over, and we'll win close games. Well, the last two years kind of blew up in his face. We know that. But six years before that, he actually had quite a bit of success. But those last two years, the two-minute situations, we know were atrocious. So you bring in KOC, you bring in Kwesi in their first year. They inherit that same team that was built with that blueprint. And instead of doing the Chicago route, trying to tear the whole thing down and waste the last prime years of this kind of core foundational guys, Thielen, Kendricks, Harry, Zedarius, Jordan Hicks, I could go on and on. They looked at each other and they said, this team can win now, 
but we need to put all our eggs and resources into fixing those final two minutes of the halves. Blake Brandle was on our show two weeks ago. He said, every week we have a situational masterclass, a literal class on the situational football in the final two minutes and what that looks like. So when we get into these close nail biter situations, which by the way, again, by definition, they're built to be in from the previous regime. They now have the advantage over the opposing team and hopefully flip the script, turn some of those losses from the last few years into wins. That's exactly what's happened. Now, nobody, I don't even think KOC himself probably predicted, you know, what, perfect 9-0, 10-0 in one-score games. But let's not act like this isn't, first of all, how they were built to win games in the first place from what they inherited from Zimmer. And second, let's not act like this hasn't been their number one priority, the thing they've worked on all offseason, put all their time and energy into since this coaching staff got here. And this is just some kind of lucky, fluky streak that they're on because this is who they are. And I promise you, once you win this many one-score games, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, once you win this many times late in games and make the game-changing plays at the end, no matter uh, what the phase, offense, defense, special teams, one week it's Cam Bynum, uh, one week it's K.J. Osborne, game winner versus Detroit, one week it's special teams versus the Patriots, you do that this many times and it starts to become ingrained in you as a team. This is who we are. This is one of our characteristics. This is our blueprint. It's in our DNA. Not only do we expect to come away with a win when it's all tied up with four or five minutes to play, but I can almost guarantee you the opposing sideline, they start to believe it too. Oh no, one score game heading into the fourth quarter. Oh no, here we go again. This is what this team does. We're in trouble, guys. So I think it's time to come into grips with just the fact that this is who this team is because they put in all that work all offseason in that situational football. I think they just now have this clear advantage as the game gets down to situational football in those final two, three, four minutes of the halves. They not only believe they'll find a way to win, but so does the opposing team. So would we love to win some games by more than one score? Of course. But at the end of the day, you got to understand that's just not how this team was built. That's just what they did all offseason. They said, we got to figure out these two-minute situations because this is a good team at the core here. But something happened with those last two minutes in those final two years under Zim. And they identified it and they fixed it. And that's what I'm noticing when I look at this team. Yeah, I mean, last year we watched so many of those games. You're like, man, like this team has what it takes to maybe make the playoffs, but they're mm -hmm. mediocre because they can't finish. Like they, they just can't finish. And this year they totally flipped the script on that. And it's tough because they do say that they have practiced that situational football. But honestly, like you can't just, I don't know. One in six, the Jets were in the red zone. Like, what? Over oh, three, <laughs> the Patriots were in the red zone. Like, you could practice that all you want, and mm -hmm. at some point, you're like, okay, yeah, like that. They're they're just doing what they were, you know, built to do. But it's just like, huh? And I just can't yeah, keep saying anything other than like they're living right. They're just living right, man. Some mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. something they did, you know, before the season started, you know, whatever. I honestly think it's pretty um interesting as well as far as them kind of fighting through all the attrition and still playing at a high level like when the next man up is called, 
they're just doing their job and they're still getting it done. And so I don't really know, you know, I, I hear you and I think there's a lot to what you said, but something is just, they just got some magic this season. Cause like nine and oh, and one score games, like you could play all those games and like, mm-hmm. it can't bounce your weight. Every time. every time but it's happening every time and it's just like what is going on here yeah fact is teams 10 and 2 number two seed in the nfc five games of play and for everything considered i'd say it should give fans plenty to be happy about so i guess i'm just kind of imploring people enough with the what ifs and for now just this once like just try to enjoy this season and the run they've been on because 10 and 2 it just doesn't happen all that often in the nfl enjoy it for what it is i guess in the moment because you never know when you'll be back again in this situation no more what ifs this is exactly how this team was built to win games. Even again, like you said, Reg, if they were to replay this and re-simulate nine of these games, they probably wouldn't get the ball to bounce their way every time. It's just this year, for some reason, this is just exactly who the 2022 Vikings are. End of story. Reg, we never got a chance to break down the game. I just want to know one or two plays that really stick out to you the most that kind of decided that game, just kind of top of your head. What's one or two plays that really stick out from Sunday? Uh, so, so we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but the, mm-hmm. the seven play 75 yard drive that cousins led them on after the Jets got it within five, every play on that drive was impressive. Starting with a, a 12 yard pass to Johnny Munt, Johnny <laughs> Munt. Like we all predicted every time, man, when the trouble, when there's trouble in the water. Johnny Munt's there to get him out of it, and it, it, it just never fails. But, you know, first Kirk play of the 2022 season, Johnny Absolutely. Munt. Remember Johnny that? Johnny Munt. Let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody had it on their bingo card. Uh, so, That's right. <laughs> those, th- that drive for sure. And then also just some big plays on the last few drives from the Jets. You know, they looked mm-hmm. like they were threatening, they had them on their heels. And, you know, they almost got that stop, but Mike White did get in. He crossed the goal line, so that happened. But, man, he had to scratch and fight and claw just to even get that one. And then Braxton Berrios drops that. It wasn't the best pass from Mike White on in the end zone there on fourth down, but it Tight hit him window. in the hand. So, yeah, he still yeah. should have caught that. But that was a play that was huge. And then, you know, Harry misses the interception late on that very last Jets drive, and you're like, oh, man. Oh, man, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And then it just comes back. Cam Bynum snatches it, seals the game. He does the light skin face. They do the soul train line. Like, it, those were some of the biggest plays to me of the game. And I just, I don't know, just sitting there in the box every week, watching it unfold. I was there last year. It just did mm-hmm. not break their their way last year. This mm-hmm. year, it is almost remarkable. It is incredible sitting up there watching. Like you just you sit there with the Doc Rivers stunned face. You're just like, it's my favorite. Wow! Like, how is it? How is that happening? But it keeps happening every week, and it is. I I don't know. Sometimes these games leave me at a loss for words. I'm just sitting there stunned. I'm like, oh, shoot, I got to go downstairs because we got to talk to them 
about how the heck they just keep pulling these off. I was sitting one row in front of Cam Bynum's mom and grandma and Alexander Madison's family. Just super cool to see them and celebrate with them, turn around, give them some high fives. They were absolutely going nuts. But you mentioned the Barrios drop pass. Jordan Hicks, maybe you should have caught the pass, but Jordan Hicks made it as difficult as he should. I'll have to go back and watch the replay. I thought at least he made it as difficult as he should and maybe got a hand in there. And I just think Jordan Hicks in general, for whatever reason, takes a lot of heat for how productive he is. Minimum 10-plus tackles every game. Had some critical plays down late in games time and time again. The Washington game comes to mind, too. Sunday late night game, fourth and gold, no different. Again, Braxton Berrios, not the easiest guy to defend. Quick, shifty, finds a little small crease, gets his hands on the go-ahead touchdown. I thought Jordan Hicks maybe got a hand in there or at least made life very difficult. Just another huge play, though, to put on Hicks's resume. That was outstanding. I hope that one doesn't get glossed over as we look back again on the biggest plays of that game because I thought that one was huge. All right, coming up next, we're breaking down the injury report real quick and the toughest game left on the schedule. But first, Vikings now 10-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Vikings open this week versus the Lions, one-point underdogs. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net where the game starts. Reg, this team's starting to feel the pain a little bit with some injuries. Which current injury worries you the most big picture like heading into the playoffs? And I guess which positions do you think they have the best depth and maybe the most worrisome depth to be concerned about come playoff time? I think the most worrisome depth is at cornerback. I know they were, yep. you know, happy and excited to try to get Cam Dantzler back, and they're mm -hmm. optimistic on that. Man, they need him back in the worst way, but, you know, there's going to be some acclimation period. He's coming off of a pretty gnarly injury, and so it's going to take a second for him to get up to speed. I do like, you know, what Duke Shelley has done. Hats off to him. He just makes plays when he's in the game. A Caleb Evans, he's out again with a concussion. He tweeted, mm -hmm. he's fine. He's going to be okay. But two concussions in three weeks, like, eh, it's not, not the yeah. most promising. Same thing for Christian Derrissaw. They have some high hopes that he's going to come back and, you know, it's going to be Derrissaw Island again. But he had two concussions in two weeks and, that's a little scary, especially when you get into the playoffs or you talk about getting towards the playoffs, playing some of these teams that are better, some of these teams that have a better pass rush. You like to have your future all-pro left tackle out there uh, blocking for you. And so those are some of the ones that kind of give me pause. And, you know, Blake Brandle has, has performed swimmingly for what he's been called to do. And KLC has done a good job of not putting guys on an island. Donatello has mm -hmm. done a good job at not putting guys on an island, except for maybe like a guy like Duke Shelley. I, I feel like he's been on an island quite a bit when he's in that game, and he continues to just put the hand in there, big pass breakup when it matters. And so those are things that you look at and you're like, okay, you hope that they can kind of sustain this. I know some people were talking about maybe, you know, Zadarius Smith and his health. I know he's just kind of lumbering out there sometimes. His knee 
is just kind of dragging on and he's just out there giving it everything he has. And so those are some of the positions that I think are a bit of a concern. They got to Mike White one time and it was Patrick Jones. It wasn't Zadarius or Daniil. You know, they're getting pressure in there and making things difficult. But I guess it's good that they even have them down the stretch. And it's, you know, a good shout out to the sports science team and the guy they brought over from the Rams that KLC brought in with him. You know, Dalvin's been largely available and healthy. We haven't seen him play a full uh, 16, 17 game stretch in his career yet. He's trending towards Mm -hmm. that. You know, knock on wood, I don't want to mess anything up. But, you know, there's been some attrition, but honestly, it hasn't hit the Vikings like it's hit some of these other teams. They are still largely healthy as a football team. I got to talk to Blake Brandle after the game, just real quickly, said, hey, how you feeling? Said, well, we really enjoyed that mini buy that we got, obviously beat the Patriots and then get a couple extra days rest. I said, what was the message in the locker room? I mean, pretty much KOC said, congrats, Scott, you just went 4-0 and versus the AFC East, pat yourselves mm-hmm. on the back. And then I said, you know, what do you think? You got one more week in you? You get, you get the start next? He said, just gave me one of these. Probably not. Sounds like Darius <laughs> should be back, barring barring any type of setback, which you never know with concussions. You got to be awfully delicate about. But sounds like yeah. we should assume that Darius could be back next week, which would be great. Last one here: which remaining game on the schedule worries you the most, or do you think will be just the most difficult to come away with a win? Because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I posed this question, and we kind of assumed from here on out we would be favored in every game. Now, all of a sudden, you're not only not favored versus the Lions, but I look at those last two games, division games on the road, in the cold, outdoors, at Lambeau, at Soldier Field. Is Justin Fields still playing? Is he still red hot? Is the Packers still playing for that last playoff spot? Because if so, that means they're red hot going into that game too. So not only not favored this week, then you got the Colts and Giants at home, but those last two division games, Pending where those teams are at the time, those could be tough ones as well. What do you think? Not necessarily worried about the Bears. I think you've seen it. Justin Fields gives them a great chance to be competitive in these games, but they're not winning any of these games. So, you know, God bless them on that front. Maybe next year they'll actually start to win some of these games and not waste his performances. The Packers, they're cooked. You know, I think it's going to be competitive because anytime Aaron Rodgers plays and It's the Packers. It's always going to be competitive. And this iteration of the Vikings team just plays every team close. So that's what we're going to see. I think the toughest game remaining on their schedule. Well, I'll give it two. I'll give it two. Because of the run the Lions are on, I'd say that game is going to be tough. They're playing much better defense. And the offense is playing much better as well. That two-headed monster of Swift and Jamal Williams is scary hours. Right now, Jamal Williams, I believe, leads the league in touchdowns by running backs this year. Like, he's been a monster. And so that's a scary game. And then also the Giants. The Giants still have a lot to play for. The Giants are still fighting for playoff position right now. And technically, technically, I guess still alive for the division Mm -hmm. crown as well if the Eagles stub their toe. And so they're still a good football team. Play the Eagles twice still head-to-head. Yeah. If they can sweep the Eagles, watch out. Yeah. Exactly. So they're still a good football team and they're still a team. You're talking about uh, NFC East division where we may see every team make the playoffs. It's possible that every team could make the playoffs. And so I think that's something that 
is going to be tough. The Giants are playing much better this year under Dayball. I do think it's a, a, a winnable game just because Daniel Jones is their quarterback and I just don't know how much I believe in him, but they play mm-hmm. everybody tough. And so it's going to be a really tough matchup for them uh, when they play the Giants. So what is that, on Christmas Eve? Yeah, very similar blueprint. Again, not built to blow anybody out, but just built with that old school toughness, win those close games on the ground with good defense. Hey, tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about these defensive woes a little bit. Is it Donatel's scheme or just the player personnel? Plus, why the 5-7 and seven Lions are favored versus the 10 and two Vikings. We're going to try to figure out that one as well. But that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. That's the man, Reggie Wilson. Check him out on Twitter, at TV, and every night up on CARE 11. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. We're back tomorrow with another episode of Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.